Welcome to Lady in the Couch, a podcast about mental health and well-being, relationships, and topics specifically related to women. I'm your host, Autumn Collier, a licensed psychotherapist in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's have a seat on the couch. Hi there. So today we are talking about the stuff that doesn't work anymore. So, you know, in short, I'll say that ish don't work no more. So these are some of the things that we've been doing in our lives that are no longer serving us. Uh, We're going to recognize some of the coping skills we've been using or what we've been using as coping skills and messages we've been telling ourselves and passing down that are no longer serving us or those around us. So let's dive on in. So throughout my years in this field, I've heard someone frame dysfunction as a failed solution. So they stated that current problems or dysfunction is just a failed solution. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And and if you really think about it, it actually makes sense. So ultimately what it's saying is the ways we once knew to resolve problems, which was a solution, are no longer working. So something we put in place to help remedy or help cope or help deal with something is no longer working. Therefore, it has now become a failed solution. So our coping skills that once helped alleviate the problem are no longer serving us and have become unhealthy. Unfortunately, many of these unhealthy coping skills and messages get passed down generation after generation. So the ways in which we once resolved problems, even if they're no longer serving or healthy or helping us, they keep getting passed down generation after generation. And of course, the intent is not to harm future generations, as the current generation who's passing the message down is probably not aware that it is no longer working or serving them. I think it's just simply the idea that this is what I did to get by, and my mama did it, and her mama did the same thing. So it just kind of becomes the norm. So much so, the unhealthy coping skill is never seen as unhealthy or no longer beneficial. It oftentimes takes a significant event or even a third party to point out that the current way of functioning or coping isn't serving anyone. So there's a parable that I really like and thought was really interesting and kind of sums this whole idea up of things being passed down generation after generation that are no longer serving us. So this parable is about generations of women that use a particular cooking method when preparing chicken. So they would cut the chicken, the bird in half, and place one half of the bird in a pan that was passed down generation after generation. So that pan was passed down and then they would discard the other half of the bird. So one half of the bird goes in the pan, the pan that's been passed down and the other half of the chicken was discarded. This technique was passed down for generations to the women in the family. And eventually a young daughter in the family asked her mother why they discard the half of the chicken. And the mother replied, well, because the pan they use to cook the chicken in isn't big enough for the whole chicken. So we have to cut it in half and only cook one half of the chicken and we throw the other half away. And the daughter replied, well, why don't we just get a bigger pot or pan? So this parable shows that at one time, maybe cutting the chicken in half was necessary. It may have been necessary for them so that they could cook the chicken and have a meal to eat. And it was a solution to the problem of not having a big enough pan to cook chicken. However, as life has evolved, Other options became available and cutting the chicken in half is no longer beneficial or even needed because they likely could have access or get access to a larger pan. You know, it's actually wasteful and serves no one to throw one half of the chicken away. So as creatures of habit, we do what we know to do and what we've always done, even if it doesn't work. 
So in this situation, it took the daughter to kind of step out and say, hey, there's another way to do this. What are we doing? Because no one would have realized on their own that it was no longer working. So I want to look at some of the top offenders that have been passed down for generations that I often hear about. So the first one, you have to be strong. So that message gets passed down. You have to be strong. Can someone please define strong? Like, what does strong mean? Does that mean you can get torn down, beat up, assaulted, abused, and get back up and keep moving? Is that the definition of strong? I don't know. You know, so we really want to look at that word strong and how we're using it or even what that word promotes. So when something significantly difficult happens to someone, people often try to give words of encouragement or advice by saying, you know, you just have to be strong. And to be strong is often perceived as needing to be stoic or not think about what has happened and to just keep pressing on. People are even commended for being strong during difficult times, as you'll often hear others say, yeah, she held it together and didn't even cry. Like, you know, maybe if there was a funeral or a tough situation or if someone goes through something difficult in life, yep, she kept it moving and didn't skip a beat. You know, maybe someone just became divorced and, you know, that's what I'll say. She kept it moving and didn't skip a beat. So while no one, of course, desires to fall apart and just let life overtake them, When difficult times occur, it is okay to acknowledge and express hurt and pain. And just because we hold it in or look strong doesn't mean we don't feel the pain or that we are not falling apart on the inside. So it actually benefits others more than ourselves to be strong. By not expressing difficult and painful emotions, others are not made to feel uncomfortable as they likely would not know what to do with those difficult emotions. So yeah, oftentimes people can become very uncomfortable witnessing strong emotions, especially from those they know, love, and care about. And some of their discomfort comes because it may trigger something within them. They may not know what to do, and the emotions of the person they love now feel burdensome, or they may not know what to say. So yes, it would be easier for the people around you if you just held it all together and didn't have this strong emotion, if you just could be strong, because I don't know what to do with all that if you just kind of let it all out. So be mindful of that as well. There was a time when the message to be strong was needed and probably helpful to some. You know, if we look at the civil rights movement, for example, there was a stoicism needed to push through. And times were so difficult that if you weren't strong, then your chance of survival or a decent quality of life was minimized because Things were constantly being thrown at them. And I say that word strong, you know, of course, they had other factors that contributed to their resilience as well. Maybe it was the supports, their faith and different things like that. However, yes, that stoicism was needed on some level. And while there are other challenges faced today, the simple message to be strong does not encourage or motivate as it maybe once did. And it also sends the message to just keep it all in and not deal with the strong emotions so that one may remain stoic. So living this way, just trying to be strong or keeping it all in not only disturbs our emotional wellness, it also has negative effects on our physical health as well. So, you know, you think things like high blood pressure, even heart attack or stroke, some of those things can be stress related or due to having to be resilient amidst challenges quite often. The next offender that has been passed down for for generations is You know, when people say, no point in talking about your problems, and you know, most of you guys can finish the sentence because talking about them won't make them go away. So there's that, you know, you hear people say things or maybe you come home and with family and you may want to vent 
to a parent or to a grandparent and they're like, mm-hmm, yeah, no, ain't no point on complaining because it ain't going to go away. So just figure it out or something like that, which also can feel pretty dismissive. So the takeaway of this message is that when crap happens, just take it and deal with it. This message is defeating and hopeless. It also gives us permission to become victims of circumstance and not even try to advocate for ourselves. So there was a time when individuals had limited rights and there was no change in sight. Fortunately, thankful to trailblazers and multiple human rights movements, they didn't succumb to this belief that we just got to take it because it ain't going to change. Even if no immediate change will happen or can happen, it is beneficial to still share your feelings or even vent about what you're going through and release some of those toxic feelings that we may have. And Sometimes, too, we may even get a word of encouragement from our loved ones or be helpful to someone else because we have shared. So we want to remove this idea that, you know, no point in talking because it won't make the problems go away. That is a very victim-like stance and the stance that life is happening to us as opposed to share. And maybe we can even problem solve and figure out ways to advocate for yourself so that life happens because of us and through us because we are not victims of our lives. The next one, what goes on in this house? That's right. You know, the rest stays in this house. So if you say this out loud a few times, it starts to kind of sound suspect. Um, I get how this came about as there was a time when certain cultures had to be secretive for survival. And, you know, culture aside, sometimes children can miscommunicate what is happening in their home and create great suspicion from others. So, you know, I get that as well. Over the years, however, this message has become harmful. It creates a level of secrecy and caution, even if all is well and okay. This message teaches young people that we do not share with others and others are not to be trusted. It creates a barrier between the individual and the world. And while no one wants their kids to blab about everything that happens in their home, no one wants that. This message should be replaced and more explanation about private matters should be given, especially to young children. So, you know, maybe even telling small children, you know, your big sister started her menstrual cycle. That is not something we go blabbing about at school. Or, you know, mom and dad may have found out their high schooler was having sex with a peer, a significant other. You know, all right, little Johnny, this is not something we go around talking about. This is a private matter in our home. And we really want to support your sibling in how we deal with this. So yeah, explaining things like that and giving explanation about private matters, that should be given as opposed to, you know, don't share anything that goes on in this home. Because that message may even cause, you know, someone to question, well, is something shameful happening in my home? Like, especially if it's a child, is something shameful happening in my home? Or am I shameful? Or what does this mean? Or why can't I share? So just being mindful of that as well. The next one, children should be seen and not heard. This is a quick, little cute one-liner parents often say to their kids, and those kids grow up and tell their kids the same thing. But what exactly are we saying to children when we say this? It sounds like we're saying that your thoughts and your opinions do not matter and definitely don't need to be heard. Well, I mean, that sounds like a self-esteem killer. So this young child now grows into an adult that has a difficult time being decisive and establishing their own opinions. They don't readily know what they feel or think and believe their thoughts and feelings are not valid or worthy of being shared. So this message was once used to keep children in line, but it does not appear to be serving anyone. You know, this and, you know, I've even heard some people say it as when I want to know what you think, I'll tell you, Um, you know, that type of thing. You know, it's a cute 
catchy one-liner someone made up. However, it is simply not true and it's not benefiting anyone, especially not a child who turns into an adult who does not know how to speak up for themselves or have their own opinion. All people should be seen and heard. And I get it, you know, too, from a parenting perspective. Sometimes you just give these one-liners just to make the situation diffuse or just to kind of shut it down or redirect the child really quickly. And however, you know, no one signs up to be a parent that oppresses their child and silences them. However, this message kind of does just that. All right. So the last offender we're going to talk about that has been passed down for generations is the idea that tears are a sign of weakness. Yeah, tears are a sign of weakness. I see individuals or, or have heard from individuals who have been told this or have this core belief that tears are a sign of weakness. And, you know, typically I'm like, oh, oh, for real? Really? Weakness? I just thought they were another form of expression and communication. So many generations have been told to stop crying, wipe your tears, you know, especially boys, which is a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day. However, this creates a lack of comfort with vulnerability and teaches us to hide or hold in vulnerable emotions or expressions such as crying. You know, I've even heard adults say that they've avoided conversations or situations that may become difficult because they didn't want to end up crying and appear weak. Or even, you know, some adults with children may even say, well, I didn't want to talk about that because I didn't want to cry in front of my child. And I'm not sure maybe the message or what they believe or their core belief around that is if I cry in front of my child or cry around others, they will see me as weak or not being put together. However, I think it's the opposite. People are seeing a well-rounded individual who has real-time emotions, a variety of emotions, which we all have. Crying is a form of expression and it is not restricted to sad emotions. I remember after having one of my children in the hospital, my son was crying quite often and I was telling the, you know, the doctor, the pediatrician would come and do rounds, you know, after you have the baby. And I would say, you know, he cries a lot. He's crying quite a bit. And her response was, well, yeah, maybe he'll just grow up to be a talker. Right now, that's all he has to communicate is crying. Yeah. So he may just be a talker. And that really hit. I was like, wow, you're right. You know, as a newborn infant baby, you know, they don't have communication that we have. So for them, crying is their form of communication. And it doesn't, always have to necessarily mean that something is wrong or bad. That was just their form of communication. So that really stuck with me. And of course, no one wants to walk around weeping all the time. However, expressing vulnerability via tears is healthy and it actually takes a great deal of courage, not weakness. All right. So to sum it up, while these messages have been passed down for generations, the good news is you can change your family's message starting right now. Let's start replacing the unhealthy coping skills and messages in your life with relevant, beneficial messages and skills. And I say relevant, relevant to today's time, relevant to what is happening right now. If you are stuck and do not know how to replace the unhealthy coping skills, then seek professional help as sometimes it does really take a third party to help identify what is not working and replace the unhealthy coping skills and messages. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode and have some great takeaways and that you'll even now go approach your family and start trying to turn the tide or even within your own family, start doing some things differently or speaking about things differently. I'll see you next time on the couch. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Lady in the Couch. Feel free to share this episode with your friends on all of your social media platforms. 
If you are in the Atlanta area and seeking therapy, visit ladyinthecouch.com to learn more. Like what you heard? Feel free to give us a five-star review where you listen to podcasts. The content in this episode is not intended to diagnose or treat. It is for informational purposes only.